With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Menas here. Our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Menas will be doing long-form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your co-host, Andrew Mensel. Joining me via Zoom, we have Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10. Jaleesa, how are you? Really good. I know it's a bit of a um, naughty thing to say, but I'm actually enjoying lockdown. I don't want lockdowns to happen because, obviously, it's awful for a lot of other people, but um, I don't mind it. I don't mind a little bit of downtime. I hate it. I know you don't want to see Paul and I, but... Um, these Zoom recordings drive me mad, so I, I can't oh, wait till it's all finished. I'm thrilled with it. Yeah, the Zoom you are. <laughs> uh, and joining us as well is Paul, the Summer Game Dennett. How are you, Paul? I'm good, Dennis. Um, I have retired that name, as I, as I keep on telling you, but um, yeah, I'm great. It's good to speak to you guys. Paul, yeah. it's very confusing to try and find you on Twitter every time I want to tweet like at you and that because I'm like, which one is it? There used to be the Summer Game, and now I'm confused. It's just Paul Dennett underscore. There's, there's two, though. Yeah, the other I mean, Paul, not, not exactly written the same, but. The other Paul Dennett is the mayor of Salford in, in England. And occasionally Why I get. You, I'm, okay. I didn't. Oh, that's not me. It's just someone else. I can't choose who is someone. I can't. Well, well can you please go back to the summer game? Because I am Jaleesa. <laughs> it's so easy to find me. <laughs> I, I, every now and again, I get angry residents of Salford. CC me on tweets about the, the conditions in Salford and how I need to improve them. And yeah, fix the roads, that. Paul, in Salford. <laughs> right, see, on. Paul, when I, I just looked at you on Twitter and when I there is two of you, like it's your profile picture. Oh, that's my civilian account where I talk about other things other than cricket. <laughs> see, this is confusing. I used to just be able to go the summer game. <laughs> Paul's civilian. got like a Paul's got like a burner civilian account. I can't believe it. He's got a burner account where he just trolls people. Well, no, I think it's just a, like one where he doesn't talk about cricket. Like most people have a, like a burner account. I don't know to cause trouble. He's just to you know talk. He has one to talk about cricket. Yeah, I like that he's 
divided his personalities into cricket and non-cricket. Most people are just these <laughs> they are. That's the two traditional halves of a personality. Everyone's got a, a cricket half and a non-cricket half. <laughs> yep, mine's, I'm 98% cricket. That's my family. Um, all right, well, let's get into all the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Before we do that, just to tease what's coming in this episode, lots of news from the Aussie camp with um, plenty of Zoom press conferences over the last week. Both captains spoke. Um, well, all three captains spoke, Finch Payne and Meg Lanning. Also got some um, updates on um, Steve Smith's fitness. Got a listener review. And then we'll bring it on home with Can't Let It Go. I guess let's start with the, the main headline. The Aussies are in the West Indies. Um, they've arrived in St. Lucia ahead of their white ball series against the Windies. And Aaron Finch spoke at, about um, how Justin Langer confronted the feedback he received at the end of last season head on and uh, he's uh, Justin Langer fronted the team and spoke about um, well, the feedback he got and uh, you know, they're putting things in place for next summer. What have you guys made of it so far? Well, there must be something to it because you, you usually expect out of these kind of meetings, very vanilla statements, but they're all quite unified in saying that there was some confronting things that Justin Langer had to face. And so um, I'm not sure whether they're just putting a really positive spin on what was a, a fairly fired-up session or whether we can just take them at face value when it was everyone working towards the same goal and everyone's improved as a result of it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Paul. Usually you'll get pretty uh, boring sort of statements. The fact that um, I'd like to, you know, the fact that we've sort of got a bit of personality coming out here, I'd like to know it really happened. It'd be good to be being a fly on the wall there. Mm. <laughs> Well, Cameron Green has given us a little insight into what was said in those meetings. So I've got some audio. Um, Cameron Green was on the show, Gilly and Goss, Adam Gilchrist radio show on SCN in the West. And let, let, let's, let's listen to um, the first um, bit of audio from Cameron Green. But yeah, over in Queensland, it wasn't more of a strategy. It was more of a, just a values camp. I think when Gail came into the job three years ago, he brought his own values. Um, but that was kind of what we needed at the time. I think we weren't in a great place. We needed a leader like JL to step up and take control of the team. And I think at the moment, I think the senior players kind of wanted to bring their own values. So, um, yeah, we just had a two or three day values camp, basically. Yeah, interesting comments there from Cameron Green about the, the senior players wanting to now set the values for the team. And Green flagged that, you know, post-Sandpaper Gate, Langer came in and had to stamp his authority on the team. But now, I guess the senior players kind of want to take that back. What do you two I, think about that? I want to know, what what's the word that is the substitute for values? Because I'm sure they're not talking about values like in practical terms like what are they talking about like this is i just don't understand it's all a lot of gobbledygook corporate speak what are you talking about like what what's going to change what is like because i'm sure like it's not a is it like is it really values or is there a word in there that is being sub and values is mm. being substituted in because that I'm sure that Lang is not going in and going all right I want integrity in the team and the players are going right so we want no integrity like no. come on your values are the same what are we talking about well I actually think 
there has always been a, a, a sort of a push and pull relationship between the Australian coach, whoever that is, and the senior players. Now, quite famously, when Mark Taylor took over the test captaincy, he made it very clear to Bob Simpson that he was in charge. Bob Mark Taylor was in charge, not Bob Simpson, and he was going to run the team. And I think we saw at the end of Darren Lehman's reign, the senior players really took control and ran the team. And now... Justin Langers was in control when he took over. But I think now we're seeing, you know, a bit of pushback from the players that uh, now things have subsided with this sandpaper gate controversy. They want to start to run the show again. So they want to take like Langer's big thing was like, you know, pulling back that aggression a bit. So it, do they now want to play with a little bit more aggression again? I'm, I just don't know what they're talking about. Well, let's have a, let's have a listen. Cause I do have an answer to your question, Jaleesa, a Cameron Green second audio grab. He talking about, he was asked by Adam Gilchrist, you know, the difference between say Justin Langer's values and the players have a listen. Oh, uh, they were pretty similar. Um, I think a bit more was um, to do with off field with what we came up with. We wanted to, kind of have an environment in Australian cricket, especially at the training ground, where we can kind of get out what we want um, and kind of motivate ourselves, where I think JL's practices were probably on field. Um, that was probably the only big difference that we came up with. I agree with you, Jaleesa. It just sounds like a, a middle management chat at a, at a boring conference that I would have fallen asleep at. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what they're on about. The other thing, Cameron Green at the start, when he said that the values that Justin Langer brought in sort of three years ago. He's talking as though he was there. Would, would Justin yeah, Langer, I know, right? I wouldn't appreciate that if I was like, mate, you weren't even there. What do you want about? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think what's interesting there, Cameron Green saying the players kind of want to have more control over their training. And I think there was a feeling values, maybe. Though. Values are sort of, you know, integrity and high for Yeah. Not, uh, oh, yeah, guys, um, we, we, we're doing a bit too much, uh, too many throwdowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cricket is values. I mean, <laughs> 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 their values, their values aren't any different. I think they all value winning, and value, their values are not different. What are they, are they actually talking about? And I have to agree with you, Paul. Like Gr- Cameron Green, like you haven't passed your probation period. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be throwing the party line. Well, I just think the players don't want to be micromanaged, and uh, they want to kind of be being control of the way they train obviously Justin Langer pushes them pretty hard on the training paddock that's well known um, but yeah I stand by what I've said for the last few months I think this is all a storm in a teacup you are um, staunch in your support of Justin Langer one thing that was interesting was the that that scene from the the test documentary where Kawaja was fuming about the fact that every time one person got out in in this training drill they all had to cycle over and it was Justin Langer's way of saying we've got to stop batting collapses. I think if the players are against that sort of thing, then I agree with them because that was kind of a um, mistaking attitude for ability and saying, you know, as long as we really close our eyes and try hard enough, we won't have any more batting collapses. Yeah, no, I like that idea. I think that's a great idea from Justin Langer. You are such a, you are such a disciple of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was the comments by Cameron Green. I don't think we've done a good job deciphering them, but I hope you listeners got something from that. <laughs> now I'm... <laughs> Tim Payne uh, spoke to the media this week. Um, he one thing he did speak about was the 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 tight turnaround from what could be you know the ICC T Twenty World Cup final and the the Test match against Afghanistan. There's a thirteen day gap between the World T Twenty final and that Test match beginning, and um, then the Ashes follow straight after. Payne 
kind of a flag that he, he is prepared for not having those multi-format plays in that test against Afghanistan. And he also said he's not really fussed whether players like Cummins, Smith and Warner have get to play any red ball cricket for the Ashes. He believes they're good enough to just go from the ICC T20 World Cup straight into the Ashes. What do you two think? I think that they should be allowed to play against Afghanistan and that uh, as long as the medical professionals agree that it's safe, if they've all been fully vaccinated, which I assume and hope they have been, and they get, then have been in a bubble over overseas, then they've made the World Cup final, which is what would, ha- what would need to kind of happen for this to be a problem. They then come back straight into a bubble. I think that they should be given special treatment. They say there's no chance of this causing any outbreaks in the community. They're representing Australia. They've made it to deep into a World Cup. They're now playing a game. Test cricket predates Australia's existence by 24 years. It's something that they are deserving of a little bit of special treatment for. And if people don't like that, well, you know, train harder and you can play for Australia as well. Um, I tend to think that we probably need to see where the rest of Australia is at at that point True. because I won't really agree with players coming back Um even if they're vaccinated, when people coming back vaccinated right now can't see their dying parents. So I think, like, probably we need to see where Australia's at at that point rather than I think it would just create too much outrage if they were getting too special of treatment. I can't see that there'd be a risk, but I can't see there's a risk with a vaccinated person coming back anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very human response, Jaleesa. Thank you for adding some heart to this show. I agree with you. <laughs> I although, that's what I'm saying. You've added heart to the show. I do think no, though. Sure. No, I didn't know I did. Well, you do. <laughs> um, I think um, cricket is um, obviously I've said in the past deserve some special treatment, but I don't think it's a big deal if they miss the test against Afghanistan. I think we can still put out a really good test team and, um, and, I, and I'm not concerned about preparation for the Ashes. I really don't think Cummins and Smith and Warner need to play a Shield match to get ready for the Ashes. What do you think? Agree. I'm not concerned by it, but that's partially because I've, I suppose, been uh, lulled into a sense of security by, with the exception of 2010-11, how England have been terrible in Australia since 1986-87, the last time they were any good. But I suppose there has been... There have been instances in the past where players have benefited from a, a Shield game or two. I remember uh, two seasons ago, was it Mitchell Stark was terrible in the first Shield game, took 10 wickets in the second Shield game. I think we might have all been there at that, that one. It's not ideal, but it's the way of the world at the moment, and I, I think it's fine. Mm. Tim Payne also spoke about the World Test Championship final. He said he he turned it on on the first day, but it rained, and then he he only watched the the last day, which he found quite exciting. No, he didn't. He didn't watch the last day. Don't tell me. Why he... would he lie about that, Paul? Why would he say I've I didn't watch any of it until the last day? Why would he do that? No, I'm not saying he didn't watch any of the last day, but I'm saying he watched the odd ball here. He was watching something on Netflix. He'd flicked over here and there. <laughs> I have cameras in his house, by the way. That's how I know this. <laughs> he was watching. He was watching the test. He was watching himself on the test, on uh, and then flicked over to the the test. I just know test. that I finished watching it. At, it was you know three thirty in the morning. And there's and that's why I'm not an elite athlete, apart from lack of talent. You you can't be a top level cricketer and watch that much cricket. It just doesn't. It's uh, the Venn diagrams don't intersect. Yeah, I'm backing Tim Payne. I think he watched the last day, but he did actually. Um, 
you know, show some bitterness towards the decision to dock Australia's points for slow over rates. If only he'd he'd been in a position to have something to do with that. Yeah, but his point was, his point was, how many overs have been lost in the last two years, each test match day, and how many other teams have been docked any points? He feels they were victimised and they made an example of when, and he doesn't feel it was consistent across the whole competition. Oh, cry me a river. (laughs) Whinge, whinge, whinge. The thing is, they... They need to cop that on the chin, that for all their talk of elite honesty and all of the stuff we saw in the test with their little diagrams about their pretend analysis of everything, they, <laughs> they stuffed up on the one thing that was so easy to get right, that the, the, the playing conditions couldn't have been clearer. They, mm. didn't, they didn't pay enough attention to it. Now, maybe he has a point around consistency. What there isn't is much transparency. Whenever um, you look and watch a day of test cricket and they don't get the, the 90 overs in and then you hear nothing about it, they should actually publish that. They should say, uh, um, make it very clear, the reason that there was no suspension was blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so that they don't. But I think that they do in the background do those calculations and they make it ridiculously generous. They say the extra half hour, that's just fine. You know, as long as you get it in in the extra half hour, that's fine. They give you um, half an over for every wicket. They calculate to the second every time that the site screen had to be changed and they sort of do everything they possibly can to make sure that you don't um, get cop any penalties. So the fact that the Australians did cop some penalties still is, um, is deplorable. And I think it is consistent probably around the world, but the ICC should be more transparent in making it consistent and they should be much more robust and stop all of the, um, the, the excuses and, and, and enforce the 90 overs as, as it's meant to be. Do you, do you really think David Boone would have enforced the penalty if he knew what the outcome would have been? And also, it was a fourth innings chase. Like, the, India were chasing a small target. The over rate didn't really matter. Australia could have made up the overs had the game gone on longer. I sort of see where pain's coming from, although I hate slow over rates. I think David Boone strikes me as the person who's by the book and that he would have enforced it no matter um, the situation. And, and the fact that it ultimately cost Australia a spot in the, in, the, in the final, I think he would say as a match referee, that's neither here nor there um, as far as I'm concerned. And, man, it's, I, I get your point, but it's still, if the, if the overrate is slow on a runs chase, what annoys me about that is that there are still people who are flicking around the cricket and, and then, oh, I've just waited two minutes and there's nothing happening. I'm flicking to another station. It, it, it makes the cricket less watchable, and that's what that's what annoys me. Mm. All right. Now, next bit of news. Mitchell Stark spoke to the media recently, and this quote struck me. He said, I'm not a cricket nuffy. I don't watch any of it. He was asked whether he'd been watching a, a recent series. I'm not a cricket nuffy. I don't watch any of it. Now, I actually think this is a pretty bad look for an Australian cricketer to say that. I know you might disagree, but you wouldn't get like the chief executive of Coke saying, oh, I don't like Coke. I don't drink any of it publicly. I just think, I don't know. I think it's a bad look. Look, man, at this stage, there's no law against not watching cricket. When I eventually become emperor, that will change. (laughs) At the moment, he's not breaking any laws. And seriously, at least he's being honest. But the one thing I can't cop is fair enough. But if after his career, if he then becomes a commentator, then that's an insult to cricket fans because we are stupid nuffies, that terrible cricket word, who do happily watch load of the, loads of the sport. If he then comes on and pretends to be one of us and pretends to um, not secretly view us in a little bit of, uh, well, what are they watching this rubbish for? 
then as far as I'm concerned, that statement must end any uh, post-cricket commentary career that he might want to have. And maybe he's got no desire to do so. But if he does bob up, then I'll be annoyed. Uh, I have sort of split views on this. First of all, I don't like when we tell sports people that they should think or have opinions a certain way because I think we're always asking them to have personality. But then if it's personality we don't like, we shut it down and go, oh, no, no, not that personality, though, the one that we like. And so I – and cricket is notorious for just having boring people that, you know, they don't – that's why I like David Warner because he's a little bit, you know, out there and, you know, annoys a little few people sometimes, but at least he's got a bit of personality. So I don't like shutting down anyone's personality. I think the way that he has said it is the problem. So saying I'm not a cricket nuffy, I don't watch any of it, it does feel like he's sort of – I guess poking fun at people who do really enjoy it. And I think that's probably where it is annoying. Um, rather than maybe saying that, he could have been saying, you know, oh, I like to get away from cricket when I'm not playing it. So I try to distance myself. There's just better ways to say it and instead of sort of being like, oh, I can't believe you guys watch this. And it's probably not what he meant, but it sort of sounded a little bit like think- that. I think it's what they all think. I think that most of them don't watch it and most of them would regard those who do as being a bit strange. And that's fine. No, no problem with that whatsoever. Just don't come and commentate on it. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think... Well, I do think a lot of players watch cricket, um, you know, continue. I, I, I don't, actually. I think a lot of them... I, I sort of agree with Paul because um, I think Steve Smith's before it being pretty open about the fact that he doesn't like watching it. Uh, Lion does watch it. So um, there's players that... Um, yeah, I guess they're like anything. They like watching it. They don't like watching it like like people. But I, I have to agree with Paul. Then going on, if you be, then become a cricket commentator, there's nothing more frustrating than players just becoming, and across all sports, going at, you know, had no interest, sort of didn't really have interest in this from a spectator point of view, but now I'm telling spectators what to think and what to, and, and we all could, we can all see when play X players start commentating on something that they have not been watching or they get pulled in for a game, and I mean across all sports, they get pulled in for a game of a, of a series or a competition that they haven't been watching and it's so bleedingly obvious and it's really annoying because um, I think sometimes in the Big Bash you've seen it, you've gone, uh, have you been watching the Big Bash up until this point? Because sometimes the comments are a little bit like, mm. uh, I don't, I don't the know. Bollinger. Just so I just I and so I I agree with Paul. That's the frustrating thing. The worst thing is those who haven't watched it when they get in there, they think that they have insights that the viewers don't know about. But if you've spent years and years watching cricket, you you don't need to be told, oh, he's really keen to get a hundred today, or um, all all the sort of cliches that they come out with. They they haven't realised that these cliches have been said a million times before because they've never watched the bloody game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Mitchell Stark hates cricket. Um, I, I, I take both of what a bit of what you said. Like you can't force him to watch it, and you don't want him lying. But yeah, I, agree. I, I just think it's a terrible look. Uh, be a bit smarter, Mitchell Stark. And and if you really hate cricket, then go and do something else. I mean, really. Um, no, exactly. I mean, that to be fair to him, it's quite it's quite conceivable that you enjoy playing it, but don't enjoy watching it. That's fine. I think mm, that's, yeah. that describes most of them. I think. Um, Jeff Lawson liked watching it. Kerry O'Keefe liked watching it. I'm not sure that there are many others that like watching it heaps. No, I think they do. I I have no problem in him becoming a golf commentator post-career because that's something he really enjoys. Exactly. (laughs) 
Um, all right. Uh, Matthew Wade spoke to the media this week, and he says he's likely to bat in the top three in Australia's T20 side. And he spoke about the fierce competition for the wicket-keeping spot. Now, I've got, well, four keepers um, in line to go to the World T20. You've got Matthew Wade, Josh Phillippe, Alex Carey, and Ben McDermott all could be the keeper. And then, you know, I'm going to throw in Josh Inglis as another one I would like to see as the keeper. So that's five keepers. Now, uh, I'm going to set one rule before I ask you this. Paul, you cannot suggest Glenn Maxwell as keeper. If you Thank suggest God. Maxwell, I'm going to mute you. So, um, Jaleesa, you can go first. Who would you pick as keeper? Well, hang on a second. First of all, I did like the Zooms, but now you're threatening us with muting us. I don't know if I'm well, it's a new power I have. I just realised. Yeah, you do. You, have, you can't mute us in real life. Well, um, I wish I could. I, I'm a, I, I Alex Carey. Alex Carey. I actually can yeah. mute you, Jaleesa, when you're on Channel 10, but continue. <laughs> Probably a lot of people do. Um, I think Alex Carey. Alex Carey for me, I think he's just the uh, – he's – Reliable. He's got the experience. You've, um, yeah, Alex Carey's right. the one. So you've gone for Carey for the World T Twenty. What about you, yeah. Paul? <laughs> did you mute him? I didn't mute him. <laughs> no, I was just stop being silent to pretend that you're muting me. Um, yeah, I, I like Carey. I think that he's good on difficult, low, slow pitches. Um, but you know, I, I think that pick your best, pick your best seven batsmen and find a keeper from that and. Look, I'm not suggesting who, who that might be, but... Um, <laughs> you sneaky know, bastard. Sometimes, sometimes when you go to the big show, you've got to have a good good, good player. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I couldn't get to mute quick enough there. <laughs> well, I, I would go for Matthew Wade um, because I think he brings a lot with the bat. He can bat anywhere. We saw him destroy India in the T20 series earlier this year in Australia. So I really like Matthew Wade because he can bat anywhere and he's a good little keeper. If you're not picking Matthew Wade, I'm picking Josh Inglis because he's a destructive, exciting player. And, um, yeah, I'd go Josh Phillippe and then I'd probably go Carey fourth, Ben McDermott fifth. I disagree with um, going for, like, looking as much in at a um, at a good batsman in T20, just because you you rarely get down that far. I just I just I think you need a good wiki. I think it's a bit of a mistake if you mm. sacrifice a a good wiki keeper for a all right batsman when you might not need it. Mm. I think if you go though with a wiki keeper in the top six, you can pick six sort of batters and then five specialist bowlers, which gives you captain good options. I guess there is one point that you bring up there, Jaleesa, that you know they're going to be playing this on sort of slow spinning wick, slow spinning wickets in the UAE. You know, you mm. wouldn't want a keeper who keeps missing every stumping uh, behind the sticks. No, I, I just think Carey's just a, a got a bit more of the experience there and willing to sacrifice if he's not, you know, doesn't mm. pull it off with the bat. Yeah. I think that as long as the keeper is solid and, and, and agree in those conditions needs to be able to handle the spin, uh, and I think all of those guys are, I don't think there's a lot between them. That's where I come in saying that, yeah, if you, if you yeah. picked a keeper that couldn't glove the ball, that would be a disaster. But assuming that they meet that criterion, then I think that that's when I would move to, to judging them on their batting. Mm. Now, Australia are going to take on the West Indies in a five-match T20 series starting next week. The West Indies just lost 3-2 in a T20 series to a weakish South African team. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting the Aussies to to probably actually win this series in the windy in the windies. I look at the West Indies team and they're stacked with talent: Gale, Russell, Bravo, Pollard, Hetmeyer, uh, Holder, Poran. But against the South Africans, they were underwhelming, and uh, I'm just not sure they're consistent. I'm starting to really look forward to this series. It's funny how you look at these one these kind of meaningless white ball series and sometimes think, oh, what's the point other than obviously preparation for the World Cup? But then when they come round, despite myself, I think I'm really looking forward to, to watching these these five games. Do you think that the, the West Indies need to maybe dispense with a couple of their older players? I mean, Russell and Gale, two of the, the best T20 players ever, but they didn't perform against South Africa. Uh, is it time for the West Indies to look beyond them? I know, I like the older players, I've got to say. I think it adds to it. But yeah, you can tell that, you know, Gail's in his early 40s. So he doesn't have long left. Yeah. And I mean, he averaged, you've got the figures here. He, he averaged 18.6 in the, in the matches against South Africa. Russell um, averaged only 15. You know, at his best, he, he's just about the best T20 player I've ever seen. He possibly is the best T20 player I've ever seen. But I've noticed in the last, couple of IPLs. He seemed injured most of the time, or at least half injured, and he's not quite the, the force he once was, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I think the West Indies still have a good run left in them. If yeah. they, they just they just seemed a bit off against the West Indies, but maybe against South Africa. Um, but it should be a great series. I'm with you, Paul. You know, lockdown has made uh, me long for some live cricket, so bring it on. And it's a great time, 9.30 in the morning, so everyone working from home, there's a... Oh, good. Check in with the boss at nine and then um, ignore work for the next four hours or so. Mm. Now, Steve Smith has updated CA.com about his rehabilitation. This is what he said. There's still a bit of time between now and the T20 World Cup, and I'm tracking okay at the moment. It's slow, but I'm going okay. I'd love to be part of the World Cup for sure, but from my point of view, test cricket, that's my main goal, to be right for the Ashes and try to emulate what I've done in the last few Ashes series I've been involved in. A great attitude from Smith. Wants to win the Ashes more than anything. This uh, feels like, to me, laying down the foundations for not being at the World Cup. Yes. It just feels like he's going to preparing us all for the shock. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it'd be a huge loss anyway if Smith wasn't there. He's a very I, good I player, either. but but yeah, no, I think it would be because I think, especially in those conditions, that his style of play can sometimes be the the right style of play where everyone else is struggling and he bat- battles through it and gets fifty off forty, and that becomes the the match leading innings and the game, the one that wins the game for Australia. Yeah, I think we've got other players that can perform that role. I then, agree. I think it would be a bigger loss of there. name. Who are they? Who are they that can perform those roles? Is Bradman still around? <laughs> He's the best I'm player that I'm aware of. He's absolutely so much the best. I mean, the only one that can perform He's that so much the best. <laughs> He's so much the best. He's so much the best, guy. <laughs> Have you forgotten how good he is, uh, Menace? No, I'm not denigrating. I'm just saying it wouldn't be a huge loss for me if he's not in the, the World T20. Well, then he's, it wouldn't be a huge loss for you if he's not in the Ashes there. No, it'd be a huge loss. He's like, that he's, would be huge. He's, I don't know if his test average of 60 is the same in T20 cricket. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. No, but I think you look at those two one-day centuries he scored against India at the, the start of last summer. No one else can play that way. At his best, he's, he's our best T20 batsman just about as well. Mm. So, like, uh, so, okay, for example, Labuschagne could perform the same role in the middle order. Uh, Glenn Maxwell, 
uh, if you're looking at the middle order, you've say you've got Finch and Warner at the top, you know, Wade at three, Maxwell at four, Labashane at five. That's a pretty good top order for the World T20. It's a great, it's a very good top order, but I still want Smith there if he's fit. I mean, I think he's just he's he's straight into that side and is a massive strength for the side. Look, Dan Christian at six. I mean, who course. else do you need? Of course. I mean, I'd open with Christian and Maxwell, but that's just me. Oh, Jesus, I couldn't get to the mute quick enough. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, there's been some appointments um, in the Australian coaching setup. Michael DiVernotto has been brought back into the Aussie setup as batting coach. And Tasmanian coach Jeff Vaughan has been made an assistant coach with a focus on fielding. Matthew Wade praised both appointments. And he did say that uh, the players want to run through a brick wall, a brick wall in Tasmania for Jeff Vaughan. So he's a big fan of both appointments. And Matthew Mott has been has been re-signed as Aussie women's coach for the next two years. And Sixers coach Ben Sawyer has been elevated to the Aussie squad as bowling coaches. The Australians are deserting the hundred uh, of the eleven of the eleven females originally going. Only Elise Perry is going to go to the hundred. So everyone's pulled out. Meg Lanning said that national duties come first and she was worried about her preparation for the summer if she went to the hundred. But that has meant that some of the uh, lower ranked Australian female players um, have been given opportunities in, in the hundred. Georgia Redmayne and Sammy Joe Johnson, a couple who might be going over. Now, there's a whole swathe of male players that have also pulled out of the 100 from Australia. Adam Zampa, Nathan coulton Jai Richardson, Glenn Maxwell, David Warner, Aaron Finch, Marcus Stoinis. Uh, the list goes on. Coaches as well. Um, I, obviously, um, with the COVID, it's complicated, the 100, but um, a shame for the competition. It is. It's interesting still how there's so many Australian coaches over there. We've got um, Tom Moody's coaching, Simon Kadich, Shane Warne, um, Andrew McDonald was going to be coaching. Darren Lehman's um, going to be over there. Uh, we're kind of dominating on, on the coaching front. Uh, I'm looking forward to the 100. Um, uh, we've talked before how we're really, uh, well, Menas and I are very pro it. I think you are as well, Jaleesa. Yeah, I am. I just, uh, anything that gets people in, especially I, I, over in England, I think it's, it's definitely needed. But really disappointing to see the players pull out um, of the first one because this is sort of when you need it to be successful so uh i think it does really hurt the competition yeah agree that was the cricket headlines brought to you by piccolo podcasts we're going to take our only break of this episode then we'll be back with a listener review and can't let it go You're listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas. I'm with Paul Dennett and Jaleesa Apps. And uh, it's time for a review that's been sent in from Martin Lawrence. This is what Martin wrote. Great podcast. This is a great podcast. Jaleesa, Andrew and Paul are very knowledgeable and passionate about the great sport of cricket. I highly recommend this show for all cricket fans. Well, thank you, Martin. You are a great fan. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Martin. Always love to chat to you after each of the podcasts too. He always um, messages. So thanks, Martin. Martin sent me a a video to look at from the 1983 World Cup. I'm definitely going to look at that. Thank you. And um, 
If you want to send in a, a review or some feedback, you can find us on Twitter, Oz Cricket Pod. That's AUS Cricket Pod at gmail.com. We're also on Patreon.com where we've got our extra episodes. I've got interviews with Shane Watson, Greg Chappell, Lisa Delaker, and Megan Shoot. And Paul Dennett's got his history specials up there, Dennett's Deep Dive. So head to Patreon. All right, it's can't let it go time. That little bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper, Josh Inglis. Um, all right, Jaleesa, what's your um, can't let it go? I don't have a can't let it go because last week I got cut off and you just made up bullshit. So I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, did, did you I, hear that one? Yes, I did. I, didn't, I thought you didn't listen to the show. No, I heard it on, you put it on social media. Oh, I don't listen right. to the show when I'm on it. But I, <laughs> it was a touching tribute to me and Paul that you sent in. Yeah, it made me sick. I literally went, I saw it on social media and then I vomited. And I'm, you'll be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> Paul, what's your can't let it go? I can't believe it's uh, 40 years since one of the most famous series of all time. Actually, it was too, young to, can I. too young to remember this. But actually, uh, the 7th of July is the 40-year anniversary of the low point of that series for Ian Botham. Now, the 1981 Ashes is remembered for Ian Botham having the summer of all summers and he just dominated winning matches from nowhere and it is one of the great stories of world sport. But before that, he had one of the lowest of the lows and it was in the Lord's Test match. It was his last Test match as captain. He got a duck in the first innings. He came out in the second innings, got clean bowled for a duck first ball and walked off at Lord's to stony silence. So here's a bit of commentary. Starts with Richie Benno showing his duck in the first innings, then Tony Lewis talking about his duck in the second innings, and then just for a bit of fun, Elton John talking about the reaction to that. And that's close. He's got him. Lawson has dismissed the England captain. And things could hardly be going worse for Ian Botham at the moment. Ian Botham's first ball from Ray Bright. And I'm afraid that's just not good enough. How the fates follow you. Prepare for the England captain. Returns to silence. That really rankled with Ian, and um, I know for a fact that he, you know, I don't think he ever acknowledged the uh, Lord's uh, members after that in any shape or form. They're a tough bunch, that lot. So it probably came through on the audio there that it was stony silence as he walked off. And it's totally unfair. England were batting for a declaration. They were just slogging to try to get the runs. He played a legitimate shot. He just missed it. Um, and after that game, he resigned or was sacked from the captaincy and then proceeded to have probably the greatest few test matches that anyone has ever had. So 40 years ago, if you haven't seen much about it, look it up on YouTube. The 1981 series is well worth watching. Yeah, great stuff there, Paul. Thanks for that. Uh, and my can't let it go is um, I, I was interviewed on my own podcast, which is called Podcast Host Revealed, and I spoke about the sort of genesis of Cricket Unfiltered and the early days of Oh, cricket, my God. Is cricket... this the most self-indulgent shit? Well, I actually think cricket pod... people who listen to this show will enjoy it. Um, so the link is in the show notes. I think I said really nice things about Jaleesa and Paul in the interview. I wish I could go in and scrub them now, but I can't. Um, so this, you know, I think I was asked, is there any conflict? Well, not until now, no, but anyway, um, the links in the show notes, uh, 
It's me talking about my podcasting journey, and I think, you know, about 8% of this audience would find that valuable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, my can't let it go is, guys, if you haven't seen, I actually, like, am on Channel 10, so if you want to watch me. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry, Menace. No, I agree. I agree. People would enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. I don't know. Am I still on the show? What was that? Are you going to fire me? No, definitely not. Although, <laughs> although, I'm um, not just joking. Um, have a great, have a great <laughs> week, everybody. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back in studio in the next. What do you think, uh, Paul and Jaleesa? Two, three weeks before we could be back in studio. I don't know. I think they'll definitely extend um, the lockdown. I can't see it ending on uh, Friday, so. I don't like that you can mute us, so now I'm really keen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Paul, take care. Great to talk to you both. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Great stuff, guys. That was good. Great stuff. Sorry I gave it to you, Venice. (laughs) Oh, no, that's fine. I can take it. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.